Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, truly furnished into all good works. The scripture is where we go to to settle all doctrinal issues. It's profitable for doctrine. It's given by inspiration of God. It's given so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished into all good works. The Bible is going to authorize us to every single good work. That's the scriptures. That's the importance of the scriptures. That's why on this program, we emphasize what do the scriptures say. Remember, What Paul said in Acts 20, verse 31, Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. That's one of the things that this program is all about, trying to warn people about where they might not be following the Bible. Verse 26 and 27 of the same chapter says, Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. We have to declare all the counsel of God or we'll be held accountable for people who don't learn the truth. We will not be pure from the blood of all men unless we declare the whole counsel, unless we warn people, as Acts 21 verse, Acts 20 verse 31 says. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Give us a call at 877-655-6755, 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on a first call, I thought we'd talk about the idea of calling upon the name of the Lord. If I'm not mistaken, at least in the King James Version, that's in the Bible, in the New Testament, three times. Romans 10, 13 is perhaps the most famous time we see it in the Bible. Here's how it reads. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tonight, we want to talk about what it means to call upon the name of the Lord. It must be important because you got to do do it to be saved. If you don't call upon the name of the Lord, you won't be saved. Now, many people read that as if it says, whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved, as if you're supposed to pray to God, call out to God verbally, and he'll save you. No, it didn't say to call upon the Lord to be saved. It said call upon the name of the Lord. To be saved. We're going to talk about what that means. It doesn't talk, it's not talking about in prayer verbally asking God to save you. It's not talking about calling upon the Lord. It's talking about calling upon the name of the Lord. Now, we're going to talk about what that means. How do you call upon the name of the Lord? Again, we better know how to do that because you got to do it to be saved. But before we answer that question, let's show from this context in Romans 10 13. That what a lot of preachers preach, salvation at the point of faith, is false. You can see it from Romans 10, 13. There, Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. What he's saying in verse 14 is, basically, 13 is saying you got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And 14, he says, how can you call upon him if you hadn't believed first? Well, 
You can't. You can't call upon the name of the Lord to be saved unless you believe first. Now, think about that. You can't call unless you believe first, and you have to call to be saved. Therefore, the salvation doesn't come at the belief. You believe first, then you call upon the name of the Lord, then you're saved. Salvation is not by faith only. It doesn't matter how many preachers out there teach you're saved by faith only. Most likely, if you're listening to this program, the church you go to on Sunday, the preacher teaches salvation at the point of faith. But this says you got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, and it says you can't call upon the name of the Lord unless you believe first, Romans 10, 14. So the salvation comes when you call, which comes after the belief. Salvation is not at the point of faith. It's not at the moment you believe. It's not when you walk down the aisle and accept Christ, believe in Christ. It comes after that, after you believe, when you call upon the name of the Lord. But what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? How do you do that? Pretty important question since you got to do it to be saved. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open right now. Call in 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Let's go back to the Old Testament and use three illustrations to help us to see how you call upon the name of the Lord. First illustration, Numbers 21, fourth. 21, 4 through 9. Now, I won't read this because of lack of time. But you remember the story. Jesus alludes to it in John chapter 3. It's the story of the Israelites murmuring against God. To punish them, God sends poisonous snakes down. They're biting the Israelites right and left. They're dying right and left. They ask God for mercy. And God says to Moses, make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole. Whoever looks at that bronze serpent on the pole will live. Many of the Israelites did. The Israelites that looked at the bronze serpent, they lived. Now, suppose you're one of those Israelites. And God has said, whoever looks upon the bronze serpent will be healed of their snake bite. And you've got a snake bite. You're dying from it. How would you ask God at that point? How would you call upon God at that point to heal you of your snake bite? Well, if you were just to pray to God and say, God, please heal me of the snake bite, Theoretically, God then would just answer back, why are you asking me that? I've already told you what to do to have you be healed from the snake bite. Look at the bronze serpent up on the pole that Moses put on the pole, and you'll be healed of the snake bite. So he's not talking about when he says, he's not talking about how would you be healed of the snake bite? How would you ask God? How would you call upon God to do it? It wouldn't be verbally through prayer. It would be by doing what God said to do to be healed from your snake bite. He says, look upon the bronze serpent on the pole. You'll be healed from the snake bite. So the way you'd ask God to heal you from the snake bite is by looking upon that bronze serpent. You see that? The way you would call upon God for physical healing from this snake bite would be by doing what God said to do to be healed from your snake bite. Not verbally, not God help me, heal me from the snake bite. Well, theoretically, God would answer back. I've already told you what to do. To be healed from your snake bite. No, what you would do is God has said, you look upon the bronze serpent, I'll heal you of the snake bite. So the way you ask God to heal you of the snake bite is by doing what he says. Look upon the bronze serpent. You see that? The way you call upon, upon him to heal you of that snake bite is by doing what he said to be healed of the snake bite. Look at the bronze serpent on the pole. We can make the same point from 2 Kings 5, 1 through 14, the, the healing of Naaman, who had leprosy. 
Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. The lines are wide open. The number is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Second Kings 5, Naaman is a captain in the Syrian army. Okay? He's not an Israelite, but he has some, he's got leprosy. He has some serpent, serpent, serpents, servants that recommend, like I said, the prophet in Israel, Elijah, he could heal you of that snake bite. So Naaman talks to Elijah and, and the prophet says, if you'll go dip in the Jordan River seven times, God will heal you of the snake bite. At first, Naaman is kind of, uh, he gets mad. He says to Elisha, look, I thought God would tell me to do something big. Why, why would I want to go to Israel to dip in that dirty Jordan River seven times? We've got better rivers here, abandoned Farpar, closer by. Why would I want to do that? It's verse 12 of 2 Kings 5 says he turned and went away in a rage. But verse 13, his servants got him to acquiesce. And so he did what the prophet Elisha said. He went down to that Jordan River and he dipped in the Jordan River seven times. And he was, it said his skin came back like the flesh of a little child. He was clean. He was healed of, of the leprosy. Now let me ask you this question. Suppose you're Naaman and God has said through Elisha, if you will dip in the Jordan River seven times, I'll heal you of that leprosy. At that point, how would you ask God to heal you of le leprosy? How would you call upon God to heal you of your leprosy? Would you pray to God and say, God, heal me of the leprosy, please? Well, if you did that, theoretically, God would just answer back. Why are you asking me? I've already told you what to do to be healed of your leprosy. I've already told you to go dip in the Jordan River seven times. So really, if you're Naaman and you have the leprosy and God has said that through Elisha to you, the way you would ask God, the way you would call upon God to heal you of your leprosy is by doing what God said to do to be healed of your leprosy, going to that Jordan River and dipping seven times. You would call upon God to heal you of leprosy by doing what God said to do to be healed of the leprosy. Not verbally, but by doing what he says. You see the illustration? One more illustration. The walls of, the Jer of Jericho being toppled in Joshua 6, 2 through 5. God had said, and this is going to be a tough battle without God's help. Jericho has this wall, is a walled city. How are they going to, they don't have dynamite back then. How are they going to take this city? God said, if you'll walk around the walls once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day, blow the trumpets and shout, I'll knock the walls down. You can read about this in Joshua 6, 1 through 20. In particular, verses 2 through 5 is where God gives that instruction we just mentioned. When you're at that point, if you're Joshua or you're an Israelite, and God has said, if you'll walk around those walls 13 times, I'll knock the walls down. How would you have asked God? How would you call upon God at that point to knock the walls down? Well, would you pray to God and say, God, please knock the walls down? Well, theoretically, if you did that, God would answer back, what are you talking about? I've already told you what to do to get the walls knocked down. Walk around the city 13 times, blow the trumpets, shout, and I'll knock the walls down. So the way at that point you would ask God, the way you would call upon God to knock the walls down is not by verbally asking him in a prayer. It would be by doing what he said to do 
to get the walls knocked down by walking around the walls 13 times in seven days. And by doing that, walking around the walls 13 times in seven days, you would in effect be calling upon God to knock the walls down. And that's exactly what happened. The Israelites walked and he knocked the walls down. You see the point? We call upon God to do something by doing what he said to do in order to get that result. Now, we're talking about calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. How do you do that? Well, it's going to be a parallel here. The way you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved is by doing what God said to do to be saved. If God has said, I'll give you B, the blessing B, if you do A, then the way you ask God for the blessing B is by doing A. Let's show this from Acts 22, verse 16. Turn to Acts 22, 16 in your Bible. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open, 877-655-6755. Remember the story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, later to became, became known as Paul. The conversion account is in the book of Acts three times, chapter 9, 22, 26. You remember the Lord appears to Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul said, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Saul believes that. He says, what do you have me to do? You go into the city, it'll be told you what to do. In the meantime, Jesus sends Ananias to tell him what to do. And here's what Ananias tells Saul to do in Acts 22, 16. He says, and now, and now why tarriest thou? Now, that's the way they talk up north. Down here in the south, we wouldn't say, why tarriest thou? We'd say, what you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what Ananias told Saul to do. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So first of all, he's going to have to be baptized to get his sins washed away. Of course, we're all agreed that the blood of Christ is what washes our sins away. But when were Saul's sins washed away? When he believed on the road to Damascus at least three days earlier? Or when he got baptized at least three days after he believed? Now, a lot of churches will say, well, he's saved on the road to Damascus because that's when he believed. That's when his sins were washed away by the blood of Christ. But this says his sins, he was still in his sins until he got baptized. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So the blood of Christ didn't wash away his sins at the point of faith, like many preachers say. It was at least three days later when that faith led to action and he got baptized. As Jesus says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16. Then it says, it doesn't just say arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. It says arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. How was Saul supposed to call upon the name of the Lord? How was he supposed to call upon God to save him, to forgive him of his sins? By being baptized. By being baptized. It's pretty, that, pretty simple. According to this verse, you've got to be baptized to get your sins washed away. So if you want to ask God to wash away your sins, you wouldn't do it through prayer. And say, God, would you please wash my sins away? Because theoretically, if he responded back, he would say, why should I do that? I've already told you what to do to get your sins washed away. Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 2, 38, believers were told to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So you do what I say and I'll, you do what I have said to do to get your sins washed away and I'll wash your sins away. If God says, He'll give you B if you'll do A. The way you ask him for B is by doing A. Don't just say, please give me B. If he's already told you, I'll give you B if you do A. Don't ask for B. Instead, do A, and then God will give you B. And that's what we're talking about here. 
God has said he'll give us salvation. If you'll, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So the way you ask God for salvation from sin, the way you call upon God for salvation from sin is by doing what God said to do to be saved, and that is believe and be baptized. That's calling upon the name of the Lord. Doing what God said to do to be saved. It's not calling upon the Lord. It's calling upon the name of the Lord. And that means, as we demonstrated, doing what God said to do to be saved. We can show this from one other way. Let's go to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. Please turn there. In the meantime, if you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 837. Let me repeat that again. 877-655-6755. The number to call, if you have a Bible question or comment, is 877-655-6755. We can show this same thing from Acts chapter 2. So we've looked at Romans 10 and Acts 22, 16. Both of them talk about calling upon the name of the Lord. They indicate Romans 10 that it's something you do after faith. Acts 22, as we saw, it indicated that doing what God said to do to get your sins washed away by being baptized. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the, on the name of the Lord. The third place I want to look at this calling upon the name of the Lord is Acts 2.21. Acts 2.21 reads, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's the third time we see the phrase, call upon the name of the Lord. Again, it doesn't just say call on the Lord. It says call upon the name of the Lord. There's a big difference. If you will call upon the name of the Lord, verse 21, you'll be saved. Well, what does that mean? Skip down to verse 36. That's where Peter told believers, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Now, is he telling us two different ways to be saved from sin? Verse 21, you do it by calling on the name of the Lord. In verse 38, you do it by repenting and being baptized. Or is verse 38 detailing 21? Yeah, it's not two different ways to be saved from your sins. Verse 21 says you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Verse 38 is saying the way you do that, the way you call upon the name of the Lord is by repenting and being baptized. And then you'll get the remission of sin. Calling upon the name of the Lord is doing what God said to do in order to be saved. You see that? Maybe you've never called upon the name of the Lord. You ought to consider doing it because until you call upon the name of the Lord, until you believe and are baptized, you can't be saved. If you have a Bible question or comment, the number to call is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. So if Jesus says in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he does, then how would you ask God, how would you call upon God to save you? It wouldn't do any good to ask him verbally because he would just respond back. I've already told you what to do to be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So the way you would call upon God to save you is not by verbal prayer, but by believing and being baptized. That's your way of asking God for salvation. If God has said, I'll give you B, the blessing B, if you'll do A, the way you ask God for B is by doing A. So if God has said, if you'll believe and you're baptized, you'll be saved, Mark 16, 16 then the way you would ask him for salvation is by believing and being baptized. If you have a Bible question or comment on that or any other Bible topic, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Now, what I'd like to do at this point is go back to the first time. We've looked at three places where the Bible talks about, the New Testament talks about calling upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 13. 
Then we looked at Acts 22.16, and then we looked at Acts 2.21. Let's go back to Romans 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, we've proven that means do whatever God said to do be saved. That's how you ask God for, for, for salvation, is by doing what he said to do to be saved. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. You see that? Paul is equating calling upon the name of the Lord with obeying the gospel. He says you've got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, but not everybody's done that. Not everybody's obeyed the gospel. So whatever obeying the gospel means, that's what calling upon the name of the Lord means. You have to obey the gospel. It's not just pray to God, it's obey the gospel. Let me give you another example of where you might see this phrase, obey the gospel. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. First, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Here's Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, in flaming fire, talking about God, of course, in flaming tire, fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. You see, Romans 10, 13 through 16 equated calling upon the name of the Lord, which you have to do to be saved, and which comes after belief. It means doing what God said to do to be saved. It shows that calling upon the name of the Lord is used synonymously with obeying the gospel. You need to call upon the name of the Lord, verse 13, verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Here we have obey the gospel again. A lot of people have no clue what obey the gospel means and their preacher never mentions it. But this says you got to, to avoid God's flaming fire vengeance, to avoid being punished with everlasting destruction, you got to do two things, verses 8 and 9. You got to know God, believe in him, in him confidently, but that's not enough just to believe in him, to know God. It says to know God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You got to know God and you got to obey the gospel. And Romans 10 shows that obeying the gospel, calling upon the name of the Lord are the same thing. And we know from Acts 2 and Acts 22 that the way you call upon the name of the Lord is by doing what God said to do to be saved. That's how you do it. You want to be saved? Then do what God said to do to be saved. No need to ask him in a prayer. He's already said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if you want to be saved, you ask God to save you by believing and being baptized. We illustrated that with three Old Testament illustrations. Are you getting the point? You getting the point? If you want to be saved, you got to call upon the name of the Lord. That's not praying to God. No, it's not calling on God. It's calling on the name of God. We saw from Romans 10. That comes after belief. We saw in Acts twenty two sixteen. that's equated with being baptized after you believe. We saw see from Acts 2, 21 and 38 that it's equated with believers repenting and being baptized. If you're a believer, the way you call upon God to save you is by repenting and being baptized for the remission of sin, Acts 2, 38. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. But really, how does one obey the gospel? 
Well, there's some equivalent phrases. We're about to have to go off the air. So let's look at these equivalent phrases. In Acts 6 verse 7, it says, A great company of the priests were obedient to the truth. That would be a synonym of obeying the gospel. 1 Peter 1.22, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth. So being obedient to the faith, obeying the truth, and calling upon the name of the Lord, they're all the same thing. Obeying the gospel, they're all the same thing. You have to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, Romans 10.13. You have to obey the gospel to be saved, 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 8. It's all equivalent to being obedient to the faith, being obedient to the truth. You've got to do that to be saved. Don't let any preacher trick you into thinking salvation is at the point of faith by faith only. Romans 10, 13 says you've got to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Verse 14 says that comes after belief. If you would like to study with me, a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free Bible study by phone anytime you want to. Call or text me 256-682-9753.